All right, I will say good morning. Good morning. Let us begin. Bakshim, beautiful daf out of us today. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Tevis. To thank the Daf Yomishir for dedicating the Shurmay Joshua's this month in memory of Mr. Milton Martyr, Mordechai David Merafala Cohen, Sikhon Levracha. To thank the Alba Mishpacha for dedicating all the Shurmay Joshua's this month in commemoration of the yard site of Jerry Alba Yaakov Kapol. Ben Rabbi Ram Menachem, and to thank our Dafyomi sponsors, Baruch and Bracha Rifkin, for dedicating this year today in commemoration of the yard site of Rabbi Ruvain Rifkin, Harav Ruvain Ben Svi Zichron of the Bracha. We hope that the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshama Slav and Aliyah, the families in Nechama. Well, see, with that, let us begin. A lot to do today. Today's Daf is Ayin Test 79. We are picking up. Where are we picking up? Oh, Masid Rav Chista, two lines up from the bottom on 78 piece. Well, see, just to reorient ourselves a little bit, we had a dramatic, striking, overwhelming, and profoundly confusing statement of Rabbi Hanina in the middle of Ahmed Beis, towards the end of yesterday's shir. Rabbi Hanina said as follows, up until now, Rabbi we've been focusing on the concept of Hafara, right? Remember again, this parak, this parak of Nara Murasa, is all about Hafara, the ability of a husband or a father to go ahead and annul. No, the wife's nether or the daughter's nether. Good. So we'll say, so we've always operated with the idea that the window for that annulment is biyom shamo. One day. One day. Machlokes is in me'es la'es, 24 hours. Is it a calendar day? We saw the Ramban Paskins, that it's a calendar day. Fine. Comes to Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina says, if a husband is, is silent on the day that his wife made a nether, and the reason for his silence is why to go ahead and cause her agmas nefesh, to cause her problems, right? To make her upset. He's doing it to, So she should think. It's kind of like the opposite of what we just learned. It's incredible, right? <laughs> We're just talking all about love. It's good. It's good to know the opposites, right? Good to know the opposites. So again, see, he's doing this. He wants her to think. He wants her to think that he, that he has confirmed the nether. But in reality, it's in his entire intent to go ahead and annul the nether. Rabbi Hanina says he reserves the power of revocation even 10 days from now. Even 10 days from now. Okay, so a strange statement. So we'll say the Gemara is, the Gemara is actively trying to refute this statement. So the Gemara says as follows, Masid Rav Chista. So Rav Chista raises another, another Shaila, or another Kashi. She says, Masid Rav Chista, Chomer Behekim say there is a Chumrah that exists with, with Hekam. Hekam means uh, affirming the Neder. So there is a Chumrah in Neder affirmation that is above or that is more than Neder revocation. So the Gemara says, And then there's a Chumrah in Neder revocation over Neder affirmation. Okay, what does this mean? Chumrah Behekam. So we'll say, what's the Chumrah in Neder affirmation? Tap of Ayintes. Shashtika Mikayemes. Vein Shtika Mivatelas. So I will say, it's interesting, we know this already, when it comes to affirmation, right, a nether could be affirmed even through how? Silence. If the husband says absolutely nothing on the day, throughout the day, that she makes the nether, ultimately, the nether is affirmed. Shashtika mekayemes. So nether affirmation could take place through silence. Vein shtika mevatelas. But I will say, if the wife makes a nether, Ultimately, again, her, his silence does not have the ability to be mevatel the nether. Can't revoke the nether. Okay. Furthermore, kiem belibo, kiem. We'll say not only that, but along those same lines, along the same lines, the same way that silence has the ability to affirm the nether, so what else has the ability to affirm the nether? Kiem belibo. Words kiem belibo means if he affirms the nether cognitively. In other words, wife makes, Rachel makes the nether. Ruben says in his mind, yeah, good job. 
Good job. Or I affirm this nether. What's talacha? The nether is affirmed. I will say it's, it's the same thing. In other words, once you establish already that silence has the ability to affirm the nether, then by definition, obviously, if he does it cognitively, belibo, that affirms the nether as well. If you look at the ran, the ran says over here, literally right across, left-hand column, first line, the idea over here is that nether affirmation does not require any type of verbal articulation. In other words, right, that's it. It, it would make sense. Because again, I will say, what do you need in order to go ahead? What does a husband need to do in order to affirm his wife's nether? Nothing. Remember again, the failure to act, by definition, goes ahead and affirms the nether. Right? If he does nothing... So the fact that he doesn't have to do anything, that means ultimately total passivity and even cognitive affirmation goes in his mekayimit. On the other hand, hefer belibo, ain't it So on the other hand, halach again, so we'll call it cognitive annulment, does nothing. Right, so Rachel makes a neder and Ruven in his mind says, I am made for this neder. Such a cognitive annulment does absolutely nothing. Good. So, so hefer belibo ain't so key, furthermore, once a nether is affirmed, it cannot be revoked. Hefer Right? So ultimately again, if Allah he annulled it, ultimately it cannot be upheld. Now I will say this is all talking about on the same day, right? On the same day. Although we're gonna qualify this statement in just a little bit. But again, for now, for now, we're saying once you go ahead and affirm the nether, you can't annul it. Once you annul it, you can't affirm it. Now, both say, now watch this. Says, you know, why, why is this important for us? Katoni, shashtika mekayemes. Now, both say, what did the Brysa say? The Brysa said that shtika, silence, could affirm the nether. Now, both say, what type of silence are we talking about? My love, b'shosek amenas lamekot. Are we not talking about a case where why, both say, why is he being silent? Right? Why is he silent? He's being silent on the, right, for the purpose of, both say, the makeup means to like, agitate her, right? In other words, he's being silent in order to go ahead and make her think that he's being makayim the neder, but he's really going to annul it. And yet, Rebbe say, what do we see? We see that even that type of silence affirms the neder. So in other words, this is a, this is a refutation of the position of Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina said, if you're knowingly silent for the purpose of agitating your wife, right, with the intention to go ahead and affirm the nether at some time, at some later point, that works. That works even 10 days later. You see from here that it doesn't work. My No, it's talking about a case where you're silent for the purpose of affirming the nether. The Gemara says, silent for the purpose of affirming the nether. Hainu kiem belibo kaim. We'll say that's the case of cognitive affirmation. In other words, if you're silent, with the intention to go ahead and affirm the nether. So the Bryce already said that case. That's the case of cognitive affirmation, which everyone says works. Ella b'shosek stam. Rather, I will say, no, what the Bryce is talking about is like this. We're talking about a case where a person is silent, and we don't know how to interpret their silence. We don't know how to interpret it. So what's the Chiddush, I will say? So the Chiddush is that even if we don't know how to interpret your silence, maybe we don't know how to interpret the husband's silence, what's the Allah? Huh? The nether is affirmed. Silence is silence is silence. And when it comes to nether, we interpret silence ultimately, again, as nether affirmation. But it's possible, maybe Rabbi Hanina is right, and maybe halacha lemaisa, if you're silent with the intention of being silent to, make your, to upset your wife, with the intention to go and affirm the nether later on, maybe that does work. He'll say, by the way, it's interesting, you, you see from this scheme something amazing. 
Why is silence so detrimental within a relationship? It's so profound to say, why? Because what's the whole chap with silence? You don't know what it means. You don't know what it means. So you will say, if we're in a relationship, and in marriage, whatever it might be, and we argue, or we have a disagreement, okay, right? I, I know where you're holding, and I know where I'm holding. So we might be on to- two totally different pages, and there might be a real problem with the fact that we're on two totally different pages, but we know it. We know it. The, the, reason why, the reason why silence is so destructive in the context of a relationship is what the Gemara just said. What's the case over here? The Elabashil sake stam. Let's say, what's Shosikstam? Shosikstam means the person is silent, and I don't know what the silence means. I don't know what the silence means. Does the silence mean you're angry at me? Does the silence mean you're angry at yourself? Does the silence mean you're disappointed in life, you're disappointed in the relationship? I, I don't know what it means, and if I don't know, I will say, you know what happens when people don't know what something means in the context of a relationship? What do people do? Right? They create their own narratives, and that's the worst thing thing in the world. The worst thing is when there is this, where there's this void of communication and then parties create their own narratives because then that's where things really go off the rails because now a wife is thinking that things are like this and a husband is thinking that things are like this and meanwhile they, they might both be right but they might both be, both be dramatically wrong as opposed to if there was communication, communication doesn't necessarily uh, solve the problems but at least it frames the narrative. Now everyone is working with the same exact marital narrative, and there is no void which allows people to come up with their own marital storylines. Such an incredible Yisrael, I will say. Ashkichan, chomer behekem behefer. So now we've established the chumrah, so to speak, the stringency, the stringency that, that affirmation has over annulment. So the Gemara says, And I will say, what's the Chumrah that annulment has over affirmation? So we'll say, we actually had this before. We'll say, here's a distinction. You could actually have, you could actually have your affirmation revoked, but you can't have your annulment revoked, which is very interesting, I will say. So right, we, we, saw, we saw this together already that a husband confirms or affirms his wife's nether, and now he wants to go to a chacham to have that affirmation revoked. So he could do hatara. He could do hatara on his affirmation. On the, on the other hand, you cannot do hatara on your revocation. Once a nether is revoked, that revocation cannot be annulled. Incredible. So that, that's the Chumrah. So Masiv, Rav Kahana, I suppose Rav Kahana raised the Kasha. So let's say, so now I just want to point out once again, this whole Brisa was brought up for what purpose? This whole Brisa was brought up in order to go ahead and disprove the position of Rabbi Hanina. The point over here is we have not yet, we, we, we were not successful in that. So the position of Rabbi Hanina still stands. It's still here. Good. Let's go back there. Let's go right there. So the Gemara said, we'll say, by the way, I'll just, I'll just point out, the Ran qualifies this statement of Nish'alin ala hekem. We had this before. We'll say, we are, when did we have this? Nish'alin ala hekem, we just had this shortly, a little while ago. All right, fine. Yeah, it was Sanachtas. Okay, so about 10 days ago. About 10 days ago, we had this. The Ran highlights over here on this concept. Nish'alin ala hekem, the Ran writes, Shim hekem, it's, it's like about 15 lines up from before the run gets wide. Nish'alan ala hekem, shim hekem yochal lishal alav ba'osayom. Ba'osayom shmiyah v'yochal, ba'osayom shmiyah v'yochal ha'fer ba'obayom. So I just want to point out, even though we say that a husband 
could go ahead and have his affirmation revoked. Remember, all of this has to happen on the day in which he heard the nether. Conversely, Okay, fine. So Masib Rav Kana, Rav Kana is the Kasha, Fim HaKarish, Yacharish La Isha. So the Torah says over here, that if a husband will hear his wife make a nether, and he is silent, he is silent, Miyom El Yom, he's silent for a day, then ultimately again the nether is upheld. So we'll say, what's the case here? B'Shoh's sake, Al-Minas it HaKos of Medaber. Maybe the Pasuk is talking about a case, so we'll say, if a husband is being silent for what purpose? For the purpose of agitating his wife. Purpose agitating his wife, right? Once again, he wants his wife to think that he's upholding the nether. Meanwhile, what's his intention? What's his intention? To revoke it at some at some later point. So Bishosek Amanasla make it a kasabadaber. So Atom Bishosek, so we'll say, and what does that show you? What does that show you? That right, so that, that seems to indicate to us that even if that's the reason for your silence, ultimately what? Silence is affirmation. Silence is affirmation. So this disproves the position of Rabbi Hanino. So Atom Bishosek Amanasla make it. How do you know? How do you know that he's being silent in order to go ahead and agitate her? Maybe he's being silent for the purpose of upholding the nether. The other Pasik says, or the previous phrase says, right? right? He was silent for her. That's talking about a case ultimately where he was silent for the purpose of upholding the nether. Ha mani makayim im hecharish yacharish la. So I will say, so again, what do I need the hecharish yacharish la? That's coming to teach me what? So b'shosek amanas lameke takasa medaber. It's coming to teach me, I will say that even if you're silent for the purpose of agitation, ultimately silence is affirmation. To which the Gemara says, ti yufta. So I will say, we have effectively disproven the position of Rabbi Hanina, that it doesn't really matter why you're silent. Whether you're silent because your silence represents cognitive affirmation, or whether you're silent because you have this whole plan, right, to, to mamish, like to, to get, to get, to, to do something to your wife, right, and you're going to be silent now and affirm that it, it doesn't make a difference. Silence is silence is silence. I should say, silence is affirmation, no matter what, no matter what the purpose of your silence is. So therefore, I will say we've effectively refuted the position of Rabbi Hanina. Incredible. So the Mars Stam. So why not go ahead and set up one podcast talking about a case where a person is silent for the purpose of cognitively affirming the nether versus another case is just silence without a kavana. Tushimar says that's fine, but cry Yisirik Sidi. There are a number of different phrases Rabosa has speak about shtika, that speak about silence in the context of nether affirmation. And I will say the point, bottom line, is however you want to plug in the psukim, one of those psukim teaches us that silence is affirmation independent of whatever kavana you may have with your silence. Massive Rava. So Rava says as follows. Nudra, so we'll say, so here's what's interesting about this Gemara. We have disproven the position of Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina is incorrect. Is incorrect. Which means that even in that case, where Rachel makes the nether, Reuven hears it, Reuven says, ah, Okay, this is my chance, right? I'm going I'm to give it to Rachel, right? And what, what does he say? He says, you know, I'm going to be silent now. So she thinks I'm affirming the nether, but in reality, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to annul the nether. And Rechidina says, okay, even 10 days later, you could annul the nether. We've refuted that position. That is incorrect. Silence on the day in which she makes the nether, by definition, is nether affirmation. 
whether you had a mind to affirm, you didn't have a mind to affirm, you had kavana, you didn't have kavana, silence is affirmation. So we, we, we refute Rabbi Hanino. What's interesting is, for some reason, and I don't know how, how this works like in the structure of the Gemara, but for some reason, the Gemara is not happy with just one affirmation. We need to beat this down. In other words, as well say, we, we, are, we, are, we are going to once again bring another this proof of Rabbi Hanina, which is very interesting. Masiv Rava. So Rava raises another kasha. Nodrim chashecha. So we had this before. Nodrim chashecha. This is the beginning, beginning, right, two days ago. Nodrim chashecha. So we'll say, so remember again, what happens if Rachel makes another late Shabbos afternoon? Very late Shabbos afternoon. So Nodrim chashecha. Mefer. So ultimately again, so remember again, I will say, so Hafaras Nadarm is limited to one calendar day. Which means if she makes the nether very late in the day, then what? He only has a very limited window. And I will say, I do want to point out the caveats. We're going to see this more specifically. Remember, when does the clock start for Afaras Nadar? And when does it start? When he hears it. So I just want to point out, like, if she made a nether on, on Wednesday, but he doesn't hear it until Thursday, right? He doesn't hear about it until Thursday. Obviously, the window of hafara can't start until he knows. So, for example, even in this case of Shabbos, she makes a nether, you know, 10 minutes before Shabbos is over. So the idea that he only has 10 minutes now to, to, to revoke the nether only applies assuming that what? He heard the nether, right? Which, again, that's the classic case. He was there with her when she made the nether. Again, we'll see that more explicitly. In any event, she makes a nether late on Erev Shabbos. Sorry, late on Shabbos day. So what's talaqa? He could go ahead and revoke that nether as long as the day has not ended. Because if she made the nether, he heard it and he did not annul it. And now the day is over. We're done. We're done. Which essentially means what I will say. That again, failure to, failure to revoke, right? Failure to revoke or the actively remaining silent by definition is affirmation of the nether. I says the Gemara, why am I? The Havik is Shosek Amenasla make it. So why not treat this as a case, ultimately again, as a husband who was silent for the purpose ultimately of agitating his wife with the intention of confirming the nether, or excuse me, with the intention of revoking the nether later on. We'll say, take a quick look at the run. The run is, it's, it's, we'll call it three lines into the wide lines. Vamai. So we'll say, if you accept Rabbi Hanina's view, namely, that when a husband is silent with the intention that at a later date he is going to revoke the neder, that such a, that such a thing works. Why? Because the silence is not a true silence of affirmation. Right, it's a, it's a, it's an antagonistic silence, right? So if we accept that premise, if we accept that premise, so what happens? So as I certainly then have a case, if you also go with the idea that Chazal said you can't be made for an Adarim on Shabbos, that in this case, you should be able to be made for it after Shabbos. Why? Because at the end of the day, the Ran says, why was he silent on Shabbos? It's not because he meant to uphold the neder. Rather, it's because he chose not to do a forest neder on Shabbos. So what the Gemara is saying essentially is, if Rabbi Hanina was right, it would open the door 
for shtika that does not automatically mean affirmation. The fact that halacha lamaisa, we don't entertain that possibility, indicates to us that Rabbi Hanina is wrong. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Ultimately, the fact that we do not entertain this possibility once again means Rabbi Hanina is wrong. Good. Second refutation of Rabbi Hanina. Here we go again. Master Rashi. We're still not done. We've refuted, we've refuted Rabbi Hanina twice. Now I want to do it a third time. So this is actually a very interesting case. Yodeani. So we'll actually see this case in a little while, which is really very interesting. Yodeani Shesh Nedarim. Listen to this case. Listen to this case. A person says, husband says, I write, Reuven heard Rachel make a nether. Right? Reuven heard Rachel make a nether. He says, and he says, what happens? I know that there's a concept of nedarim. I, the husband, I never knew that there was a concept of revocation. Or annulment, I should say. Right? And I never knew that concept. In other words, I never learned dafyomi. I had no idea that I had this process. So the case over here we're going to see is, Rachel makes a nether on Monday. Okay, Thursday, Thursday, Ruvain comes to Shir. He learns that he has the power of Hafara. He's like, wow, I never knew this before. I never knew this. So what do you do in a situation like this? So, right, your daddy shesh nadarim. So I always knew there was a concept of nadarim, but I never knew that there was a concept of Hafara. So what's Talacha? Yafer. He has the power of Hafara. Now, we'll say, now what does this mean? Take a look at the Ran again. So I'll say, this is in the wide lines. Two, four, six, eight lines up from the bottom. Master of Ashio, Dani Shesh Nedarim, Shanedarim Shanadra Ishto Havinadarim. So Ruben says, I know that my wife has the ability to make Nedarim. Aval Inio de Shesh Mafirin, Ran, Biom Sheshamati, Loaisio de Shabal Yahala Hafer Nedra Ishto Klau. So Ruben says, I never knew that I have the power to annul my wife's Nedarim on the day she made Nedarim. I never knew that. So we'll say, what's Talacha? Yafer. Besoch osi yom shalamad. Shabbat yachal hafer. Dehu yom ha'vledi day. Yom shmiya. Aval ad hashtar lo. Delo mikri yom shmiya. So listen to this. This is incredible. What's the Kiddush over here? So Ruvain says, right, let's go through this. Rachel makes a nether on Monday. Rachel makes a nether on Monday. Ruvain, Ruvain hears the nether. He's like, okay, yeah. Okay, she made a nether. Thursday, he comes to Dafyomi. He learns that he has the power to, to annul the nether. He's like, I never knew that. So what's the lach say? Hina has the power to annul the nether when? When? On Thursday. Why? It was what we said before. Because the day that he learns the power, that he has the power of Hafara, is like the day that what? He just heard the nether. Incredible halacha. It's the day he heard the nether. Good, that's the halacha. On the other end of the world, so listen to this. initiation What happens in the following case? What happens if Ruvain says, I know, right, Rachel makes a nether on Monday. Okay, Ruvain hears it, and Ruvain says, uh, and, now, and, and now what happens? On the day that she made the nether, he knows, he's knowledgeable that he, as a husband, he has the power of hafara. What didn't he know? What didn't he realize? He didn't realize that the promise she made was a nether. For whatever, for whatever the reason, he didn't hap that what she said was a nether. Take a look at the rant for just a moment. Ava inyadish is a nether. Shazamin hanedarim shabal mefer. Oh, so that says, what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, say, this is our next parak. We're going to see, right? We, right now, what it sounds like based on our conversation, I will say, is what does a husband have the ability to be mefer? What does that, based on what we've learned, what does he have the ability to be mefer? Sounds like anything. Right, right now, it sounds like anything. 
The next part of the topic is going to be that it's not anything. It's not anything. His power of annulment is actually only, is only devolves upon certain types of nadarim. See, here's the case. Get ready for this. It's Monday. Rachel makes a nadar. Ruven hears it. But Ruven thought he was powerless to do anything about that type of nadar. Thursday, he comes to Shir. He realizes, oh, we started, we're going to start the new parak, the 11th parak of Nadarim. He learns, oh my gosh, that is the type of nether that I have the power of annulment. So, say, so in this case over here, he knew he had the power of annulment. What didn't he know? That this is the type of nether I have the ability to annul. So what's his status now on Thursday when he finds this out? So let's listen to this. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, Lo Yafer. Rabbi Meir says, sorry, he does not have the power of annulment. The window is closed. Why not? Look at the running. Rabbi Meir, Omer, Lo Yafer. So since he knew on the day that she made the nether that he had the power of annulment, that's called Yom Shmiya. Even though, even though he did not know this was the type of nether, right, he was fully knowledgeable about his annulment abilities. Because he was fully knowledgeable, the fact that he didn't know this was the type of nether he could annul, doesn't matter. The window has closed and he can no longer go and null her nether. Conversely, the Chum say, no, he has the ability to go ahead and be mefer. Now the Ran says over here, So we'll say the Chum say, no, if, again, it's only, essentially what the Chum say is like this, the only way it's called Yom Shmiya is if what? Is if what? Is if what? You're fully knowledgeable in all areas. Namely, number one, you know that this is the type of nether that you have the ability to annul. And number two, and number two, you know that you have the power of annulment. Right? If those two ingredients are present, then that's called Yom Shmiya. If you're missing either one of those, it's not Yom Shmiya. And your day actually only begins when you have all the relevant knowledge. I says the Gemara, Vamai, Lehavi Kishot They will say, if Rabbi Hanina was correct, and there was a concept, ultimately, again, of being silent in a way that leaves open the window of annulment for a later period, then that should work in this case as well. Even Rabbi Meir should agree that Allah it should be no worse. In other words, in a case where a husband didn't realize that he had the power to annul this nadar, it should be no worse than the case of a husband who's purposely silent to trick his wife into thinking that he's affirming the nadar when, when his intention is to annul it, annul it at a later time. If that works, if that works, to extend the window of annulment, then what? Certainly, again, a lack of knowledge should extend the window of annulment. The fact that it doesn't, according to Rabbi Meir, tells us that what? Tiyufta is an effective refutation of Rabbi Hanina. So I'll say, bottom line is, Rabbi Hanina is wrong, right? And the Gemara has proven that three times, right? Let's see, you sometimes have arguments like this where, where you're arguing with someone, whoever that person may be, right? And the vice again, you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong. Fine, the person has proven you're wrong. And I see every part of those ones where, where it's not enough to prove once that you are wrong, but there is a desire to prove multiple times that you are wrong on multiple fronts. So, so apparently there is, there is Judaic precedent for engaging in such an argument like that. I say here, the Gemara for some reason does not feel content with disproving Rabbi Hanina once, but rather again three times. I will say, now the truth is, the Gemara happened to bring up another really fascinating cases in this, which we'll discuss, but by the way, I will say, what, what's the takeaway? The takeaway I will say is, number one, affirmation, revocation, the window of that is one day. Definition of one day, count, calendar day. Count, not, not even 24 hours, calendar day. I will say, but the other big Hiddish 
is that silence is affirmation. And that silence is, is affirmation irregardless, irrespective of whatever your kavana with that silence is. Your, your kavana of your silence is, is I'm angry and I'm going to affirm it. Your kavana is, I'm angry and I'm going to... It doesn't matter. Silence, by definition, ultimately, again, is nether affirmation. Incredible. Hadrun Allah, Nara Muras. We'll say, Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. Let's go right there. So we'll say, so now, is actually an incredible follow-up. Ve'elu nedarim shum mefer. We'll say, so now, now we're going to qualify. Right? The previous parak, we pretty much, we'll say, it's actually interesting. This actually, if you notice, by the way, this 10th parak of Nedarim, Nara Murasa, really was hyper-focused on this topic of hafara, right? It was all about hafara, all about the husband's ability, the father's ability to annul the nadarm of wife slash daughter. So now, we'll say, now let's qualify the scope of hafara. These are the type of nadarim that a husband has the ability to go ahead and, and annul. Dvarim sheishban inui nefesh. So we'll say the first example are nadarim that have inui nefesh. Now we'll say, Inui nefesh, we're going to see, are represents nedarim that have some type of afflictive, afflictive, uh, afflictive repercussion, right? Or, 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 or afflictive effect. So, for example, mm-hmm. I will say, the Rand points out over here, it's not immediately clear what these nedarim are, but here's an example of where it was a nedar that governs bathing. So I will say, so the inability to bathe is considered to be an afflictive thing. So this is called inui nefesh, right? Or, or if I'm going to put on, you know, cosmetics or perfume or not. So I will say, these are considered to be, these, these are nedarim, which, which the inability to bathe, the inability to put on cosmetics, ultimately, again, would consider to be personally afflictive. So that's the type of nadar over which a husband has annulment possibilities. I'm with base. Um, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says no. Ein elu nidre inui nefesh. Rabbi Yossi says no. That's not a good example of nidre inui nefesh. Right? That's not a good example, ultimately, again, of afflictive nadarim. Rabbi Yossi, take a look at the top ran ayin tesem of days. Um, Rabbi Yossi, ein elu nidre inui nefesh. Before Shabbat Gimara, the Rabbi Yossi nidre inui nefesh hu telo havyon, aval dvarim shabinolo beno havyon. Rabbi Yossi, what we're going to see over here is as follows. There's going to be two different types of nedarim. There's going to be a, a nedar that's called a nedar of inui nefesh, and there's dvarim beino lebeino. Now we'll say what we're going to see is what does that mean? So inui nefesh is exactly as it sounds, namely a nedar which results in some type of self-afflictive behavior. Dvarim beino lebeino means nedarim which impact the nature of their marital relationship. So Rabbi Yossi, when the, so what the Ran is pointing out over here is, what Rabbi Yossi is arguing on is, Rabbi Yossi is saying this example of Nadarim, Erchatz, bathing, or cosmetics, that's not called Inui Nefesh. That's called Dvarim Shebeino Lebeino. That's called the Nether that ultimately, again, has marital, marital implications or marital repercussions. So I says Rabbi Yossi, so what is Ve'eluhein? We'll say, I intest on the day's second line. Ve'eluhein, Nidre Inui Nefesh. So I'll say, what is a good example of Nidre Inui Nefesh, of a nether ultimately, again, that is afflictive in nature? So what, so what is it? For example, Amra, Konam Peros Ha'olam Alai. For example, she says, I won't eat fruit. So I'll say, so here's what's interesting. So in Rabbi Yossi's model, it seems to be, it seems to be that Allah, Allah, is an afflictive nether is one that results in material deprivation. 
right? She's materially depriving herself of something, right? I will not eat any fruit. Konam perosa olam alai. That's inui nefesh. So what's talacha? Hare ze yachal hafer. So we'll say this is an example of a neder that the husband has the ability to annul, right? Why? Because we'll say, I'm sorry, I just want to point out, Rabbi Yossi is not arguing on the principle, right? The first principle the Mishnah espoused was, what type of nedarim does the husband have the ability to annul? Inui nefesh nedarim. Now, there seems to be some type of machlokas, what exactly is inui nefesh? So the Tanakhama gave an example of bathing and cosmetics. Rabbi Yossi says, no, that's not inui nefesh. Again, we'll, get, we'll see in the Gemara what the, what the root of the machlokas is. What's inui nefesh? Deprivation. I won't eat any of the fruit of the world. That's inui nefesh. And therefore, again, husband has the ability to go ahead and, and annul it. However, for example, if she says, Peros Medina Zu Alai, say, what happens if she says, I will not consume produce from Maryland? Produce from Maryland. So what's Talacha? That's not called Inui Nefesh. Why is that not called Inui Nefesh? Why not? Yavilam Medina Cheres, right? Because I will say, he can always bring her fruit from someone else. In other words, what Rabbi Yossi seems to be saying is like this Inui Nefesh seems to have to be what? A total deprivation. Right? A total deprivation. But if it's just a partial deprivation that could be easily remedied by supplementing it from elsewhere, that's not called inui nefesh. So saying, I take a nether not to eat peros ha'olam, that's inui nefesh. But say, I won't eat peros of the world. But saying, I won't eat Maryland produce, I won't eat Maryland peros, that's not inui nefesh. And because it's not inui nefesh, therefore what? Husband does not have power of annulment over it. Peros if she says, I will not eat any produce from, from, uh, from Levi's store. Right? Levi has a store. I'm not going to eat any produce from Levi's store. So we'll say, so what's talacha? So in the So along the same lines, along the same lines, halacha So Ruben's husband doesn't have the ability to make for that. Why not? Because we'll say, in, the, in this model of Inui Nefesh, Inui Nefesh by definition means what? Inui Nefesh means a total deprivation. Over here, she's going ahead and she's prohibiting herself from eating from one store. Fine. So there's another store. There's another store. Now watch this. However, now we'll say, this is an interesting Lashen. So we'll say, when you read this Gemara, what it, so- what it sounds like it's saying is, but if the Chenveni, let's say ladies Parnasa, is only from the produce that Ruben purchases for Rachel's wife, then ultimately, again, it can be made for him. The Ran says that's not what it means. That's not what it means. Look at the Ran. It's actually incredible. First short line in the Ran. The Ran says, So let's listen to this. What if, what if Levi is the only shopkeeper who extends credit to Reuven? So right, that when Reuven is able to shop, Reuven is able to shop on credit. Now we'll say, that could be, uh, that could be a non-replicable a non-benefit. So we'll say, so in this case over here, Levi is the only, is the only shopkeeper who extends credit. Upamim, Shelomos, Benim says he misane, Ilvach Yafer. So we'll say, now listen to this. Now what could happen if Levi is the only shopkeeper who extends credit and there are times where Ruben doesn't have cash. So what we'll say, what's that, what is that going to mean? What is that going to mean? That sometimes Rachel is not going to have produce. Oh, so now this becomes a case of total deprivation. So we'll say here the distinction. So what, 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 what's happening over here, what Rabbi Yossi seems to be framing, is that the definition of inui nefesh means something which results in total deprivation. 
So for example, she, Rachel takes a nether that says, I'm not going to eat peros ha'olam, produce. That's total deprivation. Therefore, again, that's inui nefesh. Therefore, her husband has the ability to go ahead and annul it. If she says, I won't eat fruit from this country, or from, this, from Maryland, that's not total deprivation. Therefore, again, he cannot annul it. Similarly, similar to the case of I won't eat Maryland produce, I'm not going to eat any produce from Levy's Market. From Levy's Market. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? That's not total deprivation. There are other stores. Therefore, he can't annul it. I have a Zerabiosi, but if Levy's Market is unique, how is it unique? Levy's the only guy who extends credit to Ruvain, the husband, then that does become total deprivation. Why? Because there could be a situation where Ruben's not going to have funds. The way for him to purchase produce is on credit. And if ultimately, again, Levy's market is closed off to him, that does represent total deprivation and therefore be able to annul that nether. Good. David Rabbi Good. So let's, say, so let's analyze. Let's analyze. So, let's say, so I just want to point out now, all our Mishnah spoke about was nedarim of Inui Nefesh. We'll call a self-afflictive nedarim. There seems to be a machlokes in the definition of Inui Nefesh, but the, we're not clear as to w- what exactly the machlokes is. We have the Tanakhama and Rabbi Yossi given different types of examples, but Lama said not a clear definition. So here we go, says the Gemara. Nidre Inui Nefesh hu demefer, Shebam Inui Nefesh Inu Mefer. So what says the Mishnah teaching me that the only type of Nedarim that a husband has the ability to annul Ultimately, again, are nidre inui nefesh, but a different type of nadar, ultimately, again, he cannot annul. So we'll say, the Mishnah seems to limit the husband's power of annulment to nidre inui nefesh, but is that true? Vatanya, we learn, listen to this. So we'll say, the Pasuk of nadar annulment speaks about the fact that what? That nidarim, there are ben ishli ishto, between husband and wife. He has the ability to annul. What does this mean? Malamate. Shabal mefer nedarim shabeno lebeno. The boss say, "What does it teach us? It teaches us that a husband has the power of annulment of nedarim that are between husband and wife." The boss say, "Now, what does that mean? So nedarim, nedarim that ultimately again impact the marital relationship. A husband has the ability to annul, even if what, even if they're not self-afflicted. So the point the Gemara is making is there is another category of nedarim that a husband has the ability to annul." So to which the Gemara says, you're right, Amri, Halin Bahalin Mefer. Yeah, of course, you're right, you're right. The mission just happens to be talking about one time another, but Inachinami, that is absolutely correct. A husband has the power of annulment, both over Nidre Inui Nefesh, self-afflictive Nidarim, as well as what? Dvarim Beino Lebeino. Nidarim that ultimately impact their marital relationship. So the Gemara says, Mihu, watch this, Mihu, Inui Nefesh Mefer the Olam. So we'll say, here's the distinction. With Nidarm of Inui Nefesh, a husband has the ability to annul them forever. This is absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. Watch this. Watch this. So I'll say, let's follow the progression. Right? So now we know a husband has the ability to annul his wife's Nidarm. Now, what are we doing now in this parak? We are framing the scope of that, of that power. So now we'll say we've just established there are two different types of nadarim that a husband could go ahead and annul. What are the two different types of nadarim? Number one, inui nefesh. What's the definition of inui nefesh? Self-afflictive. Now, the scope of self-affliction that has to be covered by the nadar is a machlogis, tanakam, and rabiosi. Fine. Self-affliction. And now we'll say second category, dvarim beino lebeino. 
ultimately, again, things that ultimately impact the marital relationship. Beautiful. So we'll say, where lies the distinction between these two types of nadarim? Get ready for this. When a husband goes ahead and annuls a self-afflictive nadar, so ultimately, again, that annulment is in effect forever. When he goes and he annuls, dvarim nidarim, that impact the marital relationship, we'll say, get ready for this. That annulment is only in effect when, for how long? For the duration of the marriage. Once the marriage, or if the marriage comes to an end, then what? That neder once again resurfaces and becomes effective. Incredible. I'll say, take a quick look at the rush. The rush says over in the left hand column, <laughs> So I'll say, listen to this. The rush says, Because remember again, the Gemara says like this From where do you learn out that a husband has the ability? To annul dvarim shebein olabeina from the pasuk bein ish ishto, which tells us what that is only when they are ish ishto that he has this power of annulment. But we'll say, but once they're no longer ish ishto, then what? Then what? Then the nether is in effect. And we'll say givalt kechidish, absolutely incredible. So what you want to say is like this: if it's inui nefesh, once he annuls it, that annulment is forever. But if it's not inui nefesh, but it's dvarim shebein olabeina, things which impact the marital relationship. So essentially, we'll say. He's not really annulling it. What is he doing? What is he doing? He's delaying it. Or he's annulling it for the duration of the marriage. But once the marriage is over, that nether resurfaces. So Gemara says, one second. We'll say, is that true? Is that true? So now, so now, what about things? So things that are not inui nefesh. So what you're telling me is, inui nefesh nedarim, when the husband goes ahead and annuls that nether, that nether is done. Done. Gone. You're right? But ultimately, again, when he knows it during the marriage, it's not in effect for the marriage. But once they're no longer ishvi ishto, then what? What does it sound like? Those in the Dharma resurface. Is that true? Thought tonight we learned, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri Amar, Yafar Shema Yergashena Uteasu. And what's you know what we're going to do? We'll stop over here for today. We're going to, this, is a, this is a dramatic, dramatic sugya. We'll say now, so now we've established is the power of Hafara is not blanket. You can only be made for two types in the Dharam. Right? Inu Nefesh, that's our Mishnah, and Advarim Benola Beina. Now the Gemara wants to make a distinction between those two types of the Dharam. And that's what I will say to be continued tomorrow. Shkoyach. All right, have a great day, everyone.